it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Big Wednesday episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not celebrating the attacks against Israel from Hamas. No, the leaders of Black Lives Matter are in a despicable act, BLM Chicago, signaling their alliance, allegiance, and support with the people in Hamas who attacked Israel. I mean... It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. It's just straight-up human trash. Uh, We're going to discuss it. It's a race to the bottom today, all over social media, all over our politics. 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the action. You know the rules. I say it every day. I'm a talk show host. I'm not an activist. I'm just trying to level with you. Give me my take. You can agree. You can disagree. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. Say it all the time. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, Inching closer to the taping of my big stand-up special at the Paramount in Huntington, Friday night, October the 13th. Like It's getting real. It is going down uh, against a backdrop that probably you know, is laying a pretty good groundwork for comedy in that, you know, the world's literally on fire. A lot of people need an outlet to unplug from all of this hard news. So uh, we are hoping to be that emotional port in the storm this Friday for anybody who needs one. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I'll tell you what we can dig, okay, as we get underway today. We cannot... We cannot dig. We, the dude does not abide, as they said in The Big Lebowski, what's going on in BLM and left-wing academia as a whole. And to his credit, uh, let's at least give Jake Tapper, who's over at CNN. CNN is the worst. But at least he acknowledged it. Uh, there is a disturbing and disgusting and despicable level of anti-Semitism coming from left-wing groups. Okay, NYU? The president of their student bar association was just denied a more lucrative promotion because this person, I say this person because their pronouns are, they, the person established that their pronouns are they and whatever that means, whatever they identify as, fine. Okay, but this person, whoever they are, whatever their origin gender was, it's irrelevant to the story, but this person tweeted that they will not condemn the attacks. In fact, they want to signal their allegiance to Palestine and the violence is entirely Israel's fault. Okay, well, lo and behold, this person was up for a bigger promotion, and because of the backlash against this post, was denied that promotion. But the fact remains, student groups at places like Harvard and Northwestern, big colleges around the country, are out there saying that Hamas was right and that Israel was wrong. That is a fact check false. Hamas attacked civilians. Okay, Israel, before they're going to wage an attack inside Gaza, sends an update to let people know what to do so they aren't harmed. 
Okay, did Hamas do that when they parachuted into a rave and just killed and raped everybody in sight? The answer would be no. No, they're barbarians. They're animals. They have no regard for human life. They were beheading babies. Okay, so understand the people that are saying, I'm with Hamas on this. When you there is no no, no, there is this is not a two side situation. Okay, and to her credit, even Corrine Jean-Pierre, who I got to be honest with you, if you watch this show day in and day out, you know, I've met Corrine Jean-Pierre at the correspondence dinner. She's sweet as pie. Okay, she really is socially sweet as pie. But as opposed to the job she's doing in the White House, I mean, she is so bad at her job. She's terrible. Okay. But understand, to her credit, she at least called out a lot of what's coming from her party. Okay, did she call it out by name? Of course not. But she at least was forceful in condemning the fact that there are no two sides here. So let's start with her. It's clip 23. I've seen some of those statements this weekend, uh, and we're going to continue to be very clear. We believe they're wrong. Uh, We believe they're repugnant and we believe they're disgraceful. Uh, Our our condemnation belongs squarely with terrorists who have brutally murdered, raped, kidnapped hundreds, hundreds of Israelis. Uh, There can be no equivocation about that. All right. So to her credit, okay, she's condemning it. You gotta do better than that. And I say that why? Because specific members of her party, like Rashida Tlaib, it's just an out and out dirtbag. Okay, Rashida Tlaib, who is flying a Palestinian flag outside of her office in solidarity with the attacks against Israel, was asked to clear up that perception by our own Hillary Vaughn, who chased her down at the Capitol and wanted to get a comment on whether or not she actually condemned the attacks against women and children and specifically the horrific acts committed against children. Here she is refusing to give any answer whatsoever. Clip 25. Terrorists have um, cut off babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads. Do you condone what Hamas has done, chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street? You have no comment about children's heads being chopped off? No comment about children's heads being chopped off. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Guys, there's only one comment. It's, that's awful. What kind of a monster? What kind of a barbarian? You understand, these are sick people, okay? And they're anti-Semitic. They hate Jewish people. You don't, people who keep telling you, oh, it's, you know, two-state solution, they don't want a two-state solution. Israel abandoned Gaza in 2004 and said, here it is, it's yours, Okay, but the reason that hasn't succeeded is because the people living there don't want a state. They want to get rid of Israel altogether. Correct the mundo. They want to wipe the people off the map. That's what they chant at their rallies. Death to America. Death to Israel. We'll kill every last one of them. Okay, but regardless of what your political allegiances are in the case of Rashid Tlaib, There should be no world where you can't condemn your side beheading little children. I think he's got a point. Okay, yeah, and the point is she's human trash. Okay, if babies are being beheaded, no, you, nobody's side, that's not okay. And even for the people pushing back, they're like, hold on, 
Now, I've heard some contradictory reports about the beheadings. Okay, either way, they're killing babies. Is there any world where you should be on the side that's attacking innocent babies while they sleep? The answer would be no. But this is what we're dealing with. And here is Jay Tapper to his credit. Okay, I'm not a Jay Tapper fan, but I'll give him credit. Okay, speaking to the amount of anti-Semitism on the left, clip 26. This does, these last few days have been a real uh, eye-opening period for a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives, in terms of anti-Semitism on the left. A lot of people who seem more shocked at dehumanizing language uh, used by world leaders to describe Hamas than what Hamas actually perpetrated on Saturday. Think about that. And the left's always like, you know, we're the party of tolerance and empathy and inclusion. Democrats are so full of crap. Okay, think about that. And understand that all of these Democrats, all of these corporations, all of these professional sports leagues, all of these entertainment outlets, what do they all have in common? They threw all of their money and resources behind Black Lives Matter. That's true. That is true. Yes. Remember back in the summer of 2020, if you said all lives matter, they were like, you shut your mouth. All lives matter. You can't say all lives. Shut up. Will you shut up? That's what they did. That was the summer of 2020. You can't say all lives matter. And they meant it. Okay. Because according to BLM, Jewish lives do not matter. Okay, let me read you some of these statements. So BLM Chicago, they posted a tweet yesterday with an image of a paraglider, paraglider with a Palestinian flag attached to the parachute that said, I stand with Palestine. Beneath that, it said, that is all. That is it. BLM tweets saying, hey, we stand with Palestine, meaning, you know, the paragliders who paraglided into the rave and attacked women, children, raped people, beheaded them killed them, took them hostage. BLM, BLM says they support that. Okay, every single corporation that donated to BLM, this is a big moment. I, I, there should be some kind of, hey, we didn't do that. But again, everyone in the summer of 2020 told you BLM was full of it and it was just a grift and they were just out there getting paid off of anybody they could shake down money 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 and we know that why because to this day they still haven't turned over their finances no instead they've had three different chairmen quit and when they were asked to show the books to the IRS they said that's racist i feel triggered you can't hand me a 1023 form why because it was a grift All BLM did is they didn't invest in communities. They didn't have black people out. They bought mansions. That's what BLM stands for, buy large mansions. Okay, but this idea that they care about anything other than fundraising or fake oppression completely out the window. Because in addition to the paraglider tweet, BLM Grassroots put out a statement declaring their own support for the Palestinians, saying we must stand unwaveringly on the side of the oppressed. The Post proclaims that because the Palestinians have been subject to decades of apartheid and unimaginable violence, their resistance must not be condemned, but understood as a desperate act of self-defense. Guys, just so you know, Israel wasn't attacking Hamas, not attacking them, not attacking their women, not attacking their children. So was Hamas defending itself against anything at all? The answer would be no. No. Okay, but let's give you the rest of the statement. Okay. 
BLM grassroots cited clear parallels between the black people oppressed in America and the Palestinians oppressed by Israel. Guys, black people aren't oppressed in America. We just stop it. Okay, you can tell me there's five racist guys in a shed somewhere using language you should never use. But if you think the level of racism towards Israel is paralleled with anything in this world, okay, the people are out there calling for the elimination of every single Israeli on the planet. Okay, that's what they're lobbying for. That's what people like Rashida Tlaib are supporting those groups. Okay, we're not vowing to wipe white uh, black people or any people off the face of the earth in this country because we're the most tolerant and inclusive society on the planet. Okay, black people are running our country. Okay, we've had a black president twice. Okay, we have dozens and dozens and actually hundreds around the country of black people in statewide offices, in national offices, local offices elected to run our governments. Do oppressive nations put the people they're oppressing in charge. The answer would be no. Like to give an example, the UN Civil Rights Commission and the UN is a joke did declare what China was doing in the Uyghur to the Uyghur Muslim population in their country the equivalent of a human genocide. Okay? In the Uyghur province where where they are actually oppressed and put in forced labor camps and starved and reeducated by the Chinese government. Do any of them get elected to run that same government? The answer would be no. Of course not. Okay, so this whole charade that anyone is oppressed, that anyone has rights in this country that another person doesn't have, completely, completely absurd. He knows what he's talking about. But this is the grift, okay? Act like they're oppressed because woke white people will fill up the collection plate. Pay up, suckers. Okay, their statement continues. Black Lives Matter grassroots stands in solidarity with our Palestinian family who are currently resisting 57 years of settler colonialism and apartheid. Once you start hearing the word salad come out, colonialism, apartheid, statement continued, we too understand what it means to be surveilled, dehumanized, property seized, family separated, our people criminalized and slaughtered with impunity, locked up in droves when we resist, they call us terrorists. We too dream of a world where our people may live freely on decolonized land. May the borders, checkpoints, prisons, police, and watch lists that terrorize our communities crumble. And may the world we build from their ashes honor those who've fallen and struggle. That's what they're going for. Burn it all down. Burn it all down. Donate to us. We stand for burning the whole thing down. Okay, believe me. If you were oppressed in this country, BLM, the government wouldn't allow you to be fundraising to overthrow it. That's true. That is true. Seriously, is there in an oppressive country, do you think the oppressed people get to start a $100 million fundraising racket that's devoted to destroying the nuclear family and tearing down government institutions? There's no world where that goes on. You don't even suggest that publicly without getting thrown in a gulag. Okay, we're living in a world of pretend oppression. But what's so sick and psychotic about it is the people claiming to be oppressed are simultaneously supporting the people doing actual oppressing in other countries. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They are trying to find a House speaker right now in Washington. We will be monitoring that as we go. Uh, we're also going to be having a grown-up talk because now Democratic senators are breaking with President Biden and calling to refreeze the $6 billion Iranian ransom funds amid fears that that money is subsidizing terror attacks after what Hamas did in Israel. Now, understand, Israel... Uh, was attacked by Hamas, which is bankrolled by Iran, which is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Iran, of course, got $50 billion from Barack Obama. That's stupid! Use your common sense! But compounding that is the fact that Biden gave them $6 billion in a hostage swap back in September. Okay, we got back five Americans in exchange for five Iranians. I don't remember that ever happening. Now understand, if you give them a billion dollars a hostage, I'm happy these people are reunited with their families, great. But if you give them a billion dollars a hostage, what you ultimately wind up doing is encouraging them to take more hostages. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Okay, that's what's going on. So the newest report has 22 Americans dead in Israel. We still have an unnumber of Americans accounted for. Uh, but undoubtedly, some have probably been taken hostage because this is a business model we're creating with the ineptitude in the Oval Office. It's bad. So Biden, to his credit, he spoke yesterday. He condemned this. He did not mention Iran by name. He did not condemn any of the anti-Semitism in the party. So I got to give him at best a B plus. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy he didn't you know, wander off script and say something unfathomable like he did in Hawaii. Oh, I know what you're going through. I had a fire in my microwave once, almost lost my Corvette, almost lost my cat. That's what he said to people who had just had a thousand people die in their community. Yeah, I know what you're going through. I almost lost my cat. We have a president that is clearly not all there. But it's also the reason why so many people around the world that hate our allies and aren't big fans of us are making the moves that they're making. They think we have an empty suit in the White House. Okay, but I've got to tell you, the decision they make now over what to do with Iran, that's where we're going with this story next, is really, you know, when you talk about it's not what you say, it's what you do, this one matters. Okay, because if Iran is just allowed to attack our allies and keep their $6 billion, okay, Joe Biden getting up to a microphone and being like, Israel, we got your back. You are so full of shit. Okay, it's hard to say you've got somebody's back if you're giving $6 billion to their biggest enemy. You see what I'm saying? So we'll get into that. We'll talk politics after this. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888 888- 788-9910. We are monitoring the House Speaker race. We're also keeping a very close eye on the money going to Iran. Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Okay, there is no planet, there is no universe where we should be giving them money. Period. 
okay, these are people who chant death to America. They want to blow Israel off the map. They fund proxies to wage violence and terrorism on their behalf. So we don't pin it to them directly. But everyone, including this White House, knows that Iran is by and large responsible for funding Hamas. Okay, and understand, yesterday Jake Sullivan was speaking at the White House and was asked by our own Jackie Heinrich about whether or not we're going to freeze this money. And she makes the point to say, hey, you've laid out all the ways Iran is complicit. What's up with the money? Here it is, clip 10. You just laid out all of the ways that Iran is complicit in this and facilitated it over years of support for Hamas. Is that reason enough to freeze, refreeze the $6 billion that the U.S. helped unlock for them to get in exchange for the prisoners? We have not yet had a dollar of that $6 billion spent, and I will leave it at that. Oh, come on. You're not telling me the truth. Okay, you could argue with me semantics. We haven't spent a dollar of the $6 billion. That's what they're worried about here, the political consequences. And I'll build you to a larger point. Okay, really quickly. Yes, the money they were spent for $6 billion has been put in one account. But understand, everybody who has multiple bank accounts will tell you, you spend more loosely if you have extra money. This is very simple stuff. If you deposit $6 billion into their savings account, they're going to be a little more aggressive with their checking account. You see what I'm saying? But understand, why are they so concerned with whether or not they've spent that specific money? Why are they so concerned with whether or not they should freeze this money? It's because if they admit to freezing the money, if they consent to freeze the money, we're freezing the money, Iran can't have this money because they're sponsoring terrorism. Okay, if they consent to doing that, then they have to admit they were wrong to send it in the first place. That's all this is. That's all this is. They're going to debate you to the death. Well, the money technically in the $6 billion wasn't spent on finance because they paid them in cash. We put it in the bank. Some of it was Bitcoin. Other of it was laundered through the opium trade. But they didn't actually spend that direct money. That's what they're doing right now. Okay, and they're debating everything but the reality, which is should we be funding the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world? And everybody knows the answer is... No, no, we shouldn't. There is no world where we should. But if they freeze this money, then the White House is admitting they never should have got it to begin with. They made it a mistake, a mistake that cost lives, a mistake that signaled appeasement to a terrorist regime. When you show them weakness, okay, give them an inch, they take a village, okay, they take out a rave, they take out civilian apartment buildings. These are monsters, these are animals. Okay, Biden was dumb to do it. And to be clear, Obama was dumber. Don't be thick, all right? No, I mean, Obama gave the biggest state sponsor of terrorism $50 billion in cash assets, and the media cheered it on as a signature foreign policy achievement, you understand. The media is a bunch of losers. Let me explain to people, okay, if you're new to politics and you just listen into the show because you're like, well, this guy sounds nuts. Maybe we'll stick with it for a few minutes, honey. This can't be the regular host. There's probably a hostage situation playing out. We should figure out how this is going to end. Let's stay tuned here, Fox Across America. There's no way this is the real guy. But it's the real guy. It's me. I'm just a regular guy, okay? People on the left think it's good for them because the media is overwhelmingly liberal. But it's actually bad for them because if you're a liberal or a Republican or you're an independent, you're anything in between, okay, how this country goes— 
greatly determines how you go. Meaning no matter who's in charge, if the country's screwed, we're all screwed. Okay? When you have a media that fangirls for bad ideas, they inch us closer to that day when we're all screwed. Okay, the Iranian nuclear deal was the stupidest foreign policy achievement I've ever seen in my adult life. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But think about this. They gave $50 billion to Iran in exchange for Iran's word that they wouldn't enrich uranium anymore. Are you stupid or something? I mean, you'd have to be to think that was a good deal. Why? Because Iran continued stunner to enrich uranium. Whoa, wait. So the people who chant death to America didn't keep their word to America? Wait a minute. Time was somebody who vowed to blow you off the face of the earth would always shoot straight with you. What the heck's going on in the world? But that's what we did. And the media cheered for it like it was a good thing. Oh, look at Iran. They came to the table because of Obama. That's what went on. Okay, but that's not what went on. Okay, Iran got money and then went back to doing exactly what they did. They're like, how dumb are these Americans? We keep sponsoring terrorists to blow up Israel. We keep saying we're going to blow up America next. And they're giving us money. Okay, and that's what happened. The media was like, this is great. And Iran was like, well, we're moving on up, moving on to Getting rich, girlfriend. Getting rich. Take off the apron, honey. We're going out tonight. Well, you're not going out tonight. Women can't be seen in public. But we're going out tonight, honey. So you keep the apron on. Make yourself something nice. We just got $50 billion from those dumb Americans. Okay, and now Biden giving them an additional $6 billion. It was dumb. Okay, it puts a price tag on the head of every American over there. Take you hostage. You'll get get a billion dollars ahead. That's what Biden set the rate at. So there's no question they're taking Americans hostage right now. They already killed 22 of them, sadly. But here is more Jake Sullivan because Jackie Heinrich says, hey, is there enough reason right now to refreeze the $6 billion? And all Sullivan says is, hey, they didn't spend any of the money. Should we be refreezing the $6 billion? Hey, 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 they're not spending the money. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f***ing question. He didn't answer the question. Watch the follow-up because she tries to get him to answer. Clip 11. But will you refreeze it based on this activity that you just laid out, all of the ways that they are complicit in this? You, the administration said that if we see them going in the wrong direction, that we would stop that down. I understand the position that you guys have, that not a dollar of this has been spent. But will you prevent it from getting into their hands to allow them to, you know, do, do what they do that you just laid out? Let me just reiterate what I said, because it's unequivocal. Not a dollar of that money has been spent, and I will leave it at that. This guy's a serious ass. Again, he's not answering the question. Here's the last attempt, clip 12. Is being considered? Yes. Jacob, if I can ask you. And that's what he did. He changed the subject. She goes, will it be considered? Jacob, if I can ask you a question. And he just moved on. Okay, he just moved on to the next reporter because he didn't want to answer her question. Okay, that's what went on. That is so embarrassing. It's embarrassing because they're showing you their politics. Okay, we can't refreeze the money because that would be admitting a mistake. This is why we're losing to the extent that we are on the world stage. Okay, Afghanistan's a good example of this. Traditional politicians who are only concerned, okay, they are programmed, they are calibrated 
to make every single decision based on how it will rate for them politically in the next 24 to 48 hours. They are prisoners of the moment. That's why Biden's leadership ability was so gravely undermined, okay, in the summer of 2021 during the Afghan troop withdrawal. Okay, we had 13 service members killed. We left over 10,000 of our allies behind after saying we wouldn't leave anybody behind. We assured the world that pulling the troops out before the civilians wasn't going to be an issue because the Afghan army was going to hold. That's what we were told. That is a lie. And we know it's a lie. Why? Because less than 48 hours after we were assured by the Sullivans and Kirby's and Biden's of the world, the Afghan army completely collapsed. (laughs) At which point our civilians are trapped behind enemy lines. Okay, our service members are being attacked because we gave up one of the airports. And we ultimately were forced to flee on the world stage with our tail between our legs. And lo and behold, a war that we spent 20 years fighting to make sure Afghanistan didn't become a breeding ground for terror groups ended with a terror group back in power sitting on $85 billion of our weapons. This could be a problem. It's a huge problem. But understand, in that moment, because we were led by a traditional politician, what did Biden do? He got on TV and tried to claim it was a success. I mean, dude, when you think about that and how much it undermined his credibility, not only with the American people, but on the world stage, because on the world stage, they knew it wasn't a success. They saw people clinging to the wheels of cargo jets. They saw people throwing their babies over barbed wire fences, knowing anyone who caught them could give the baby a better life than it was about to have under Taliban rule in Afghanistan. That's how dire the conditions were. Yet Biden tried to claim it was a success because he was concerned about the political cost to him. And because of that, the political cost was so much worse. Biden was polling above water prior to the Afghan troop withdrawal. Okay, that month of August ended with him completely underwater, and he's never come back above water in the polls. Come on, man. But you understand the weakness he signaled to the world, which is, oh, I get it. So this guy's just going to push out any type of propaganda take on the situation because he doesn't want to harm himself politically. Ergo, he will continue to make terrible decisions and rather sell them as a success than correct some of his decisions, demonstrate true leadership, and own the error. Okay, they don't want to own the error. You think about this. If Joe Biden said, hey, okay, this Afghan troop withdrawal went sideways, the generals who've advised me have been fired, This is not who we are as a people. A mistake was made. I have rectified it by holding people accountable. This is never going to happen again. That's leadership. You own the failure. But when you try to spin the failure as a success, everybody in the world, they see right through it. That is correct. And that's where he finds himself now with the Afghan aid. Six billion dollars. We give money to Afghan Afghanistan. And the Biden administration said, what? Well, they can only spend it on food. All they're going to spend it on is food, you see. (laughs) Okay, and what did the leader of of Iran say within 24 hours of getting the money? Hey, we'll spend it on whatever the hell we want. It's our money. That's what he said. And what did they ultimately do, sitting on that cushion, is they financed a very expensive attack on Israel. 
Now, this would absolutely be the moment to put the brakes on in terms of the money. But putting the brakes on would admit that they should have been put on before the money was sent in the first place. That's the issue we're having. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Here's Anthony Blinken. Okay. You heard Jake Sullivan. Okay, say what? Nah, they haven't spent a dollar of that money on terrorism. They're not going to spend the money on terrorism. Okay, that's Sullivan. Here's John Kirby. Excuse me, Anthony Blinken, your Secretary of State. Okay, flat out admitting that whatever you give the money to in Iran, it's going towards terrorism. Clip 16. What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that happened. Iran has, ha, Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like, uh, like Hamas. Uh, and it's done that when there have been sanctions. It's done that when there haven't been sanctions. And it's always prioritized that. And again, I come back to the proposition that from these funds have always been under the law, available to Iran to use for humanitarian purposes. You suck, you jackass. You're the Secretary of State. Okay, you just got on TV and said Iran always uses the money to support terrorism. Okay, you said that. The words came out of your face, like your mouth was moving, your tongue was, you know, wiggling around, your teeth were, you know, going up and down with your jaw, and a sound came out of your mouth. And the sound formed the words, Iran has always spent all their money on terrorism. At this point, how can you possibly justify giving them any money? I mean, really think about that. Iran has always... It's spending money on terrorism, but we sent it anyway. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Think about that. Ah, let's listen. It's always focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like Hamas. And it's done that when there have been sanctions. It's done that when there haven't been sanctions. And spending money on terrorism has always been prioritized. Again, so why the f- are you giving the money? I mean, my God. I'm surrounded by idiots. And they're running our country. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Influential Democratic senators, John Tester of Montana, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, breaking with the White House and calling on them to freeze any additional aid to Iran. Why? Because aid to Iran is stupid. Bingo. Okay. Especially when you consider Iran is funneling that money to Hamas, especially when you consider Hamas has the full support of the Ivy League, Harvard, Yale. These people are throwing their weight behind Hamas. Okay, I was just reading the joint statement by the Harvard Palestine Solidarity Groups. So you've got over two dozen groups at Harvard. Okay, I will just give you the beginning of the statement. We understand. We, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all of the unfolding violence 
Today's events did not occur in a vacuum. For the last two decades, millions of Palestinians in Gaza have been forced to live in an open-air prison. I mean, dude, nobody said go behead babies and attack women and rape them and drag them through the streets. Anybody telling you otherwise is an idiot. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Well, don't do that. I could never encourage violence. Never hit anyone in anger unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. Vinny is up in Hartford, Connecticut. He knows things. Vinny! Hey, Jimmy. How you doing? I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm a little fired up this week. You know, it's an ugly situation, oh. but the stupidity. Oh, listen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. So on an interview this morning on my local radio station, they were interviewing this guy, and he was from Yale. And they were interviewing about the war in Israel, and he blamed Netanyahu. Oh, now, that's one thing, but in the same sentence, he brought up MAGA and Trump. Oh, and listen to this. Then the guy was asked how much the Biden administration is to blame for Ukraine and Israel, mm-hmm. and he blamed it on the Republicans in the House of Representatives. <laughs> I'm not lying. That's what this guy said this morning. Can you believe it? No, I, I'm not, like, shocked by it because this is the thing. It's, it's a thing now where we blame everybody except the guy who did it. You know, you know, who you blame for Hamas attacks Hamas because they did it. It's like when there's a mass shooter, they go off and they try to blame Congress or they try to, you know, they try to sue the NRA. But none of those people committed the crime. And it's like on a basic level, Vinny, the reason this jumps out at you and shocks your sensibilities is because you realize how stupid it is to blame anybody but the guy who did it. My goodness. It's terrible, Jimmy. Vinny, there's never been a dumber time to be alive. We're going to have a course correction because the world can't go on with this level of stupid. So hang in there. I hope you can laugh about it in the meantime because it's the only way I'm getting by right now. We're back after this. Great call, Vinny. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, and here we go. Big hour coming up on Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. A battle underway in the House of Representatives to figure out who will be the next Speaker of the House. We've got Steve Scalise getting plenty of support. We've got Jim Jordan getting support. Some people want Trump to show up and throw his hat in the ring. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. I don't know. It's his modesty, I think, that draws people in. Uh, But one way or the other, we expect to conclude today's broadcast with a good handle on who the next speaker might be. Uh, Sean Duffy is going to be stopping by, former member of Congress. He's been a part of several of these nominating processes. He is now the host of The Bottom Line on the Fox Business Network. We will talk about the House race. We will talk about the funding heading out to uh, Hamas and Iran and everything in between. And we will certainly talk about oil markets and how we are inadvertently subsidizing all of this by enriching Iran and its oil supply with our own green energy agenda here in America. It's a mess, man. Uh, you know, I do a pretty loose show. You're all welcome to join in, even if I sound a little cranky. 888-788-9910. Okay, this is probably the loosest, you know, political talk show anywhere in the world, you know, in the fact that we take the issue seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously at all. But I'm just surrounded by so much big box stupidity in obvious ways that it really is getting to me. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I'm not saying I'm in a bad mood or I'm mad or anything. It's just like it's so glaringly obvious there's a few things going on. Like the moving parts in Israel really quickly, okay? Iran 
and you know who talked about this too, and it was funny, was Kevin McCarthy. Iran was broke when Biden took over, okay? But Iran was ultimately able to do what? Ramp up its domestic energy production and go from $4 billion in reserves to $70 billion in reserves. They were able to do that because of our energy production. Okay, if we were flooding the zone with American oil, okay, the market would be gravitating towards our stuff, at which point Iran would be weaker. But because we said, well, the weather might be bad in 100 years, climate change, we declared war on our own domestic energy production. And that empowered our enemies. Okay, number one, green energy. 96% of the minerals you're using in, quote, electric cars, even though they're powered by fossil fuels, they're called electric cars. That's the, you know, that's the racket. It's an electric car. What a fraud. And I say that, why? Because it's not powered by the sun or the wind or water. It's powered by fossil fuels. Okay, but in committing to electric cars at the volume that we have, we have empowered China because they own 96% of the critical infrastructure needed and the rare, precious, rare earth minerals for the electric car. So start here. We take Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, and we get them rich by cutting our energy production, which allows them to ramp up theirs. That is financial lunacy. It's just stupidity. And then we take China, our biggest geopolitical foe on the planet, and we empower them by committing to a new economy in terms of green energy that they make all the money off of. That is financial lunacy. Like, understand, okay, if Biden was in charge during World War II, he'd essentially be storming the beaches at Normandy just to hand them a bunch of money for whatever the hell they needed. Biden sucks. Think about that. Our enemies are getting rich off our policies. That's stupid. It's just stupid. It hurts my head. Okay, the southern border. Okay, right now at the southern border, we've had 7 million people cross the border that we know of. We have 1.7 million gotaways that we know of, which means all told, okay, could be as many as 10, 11 million people that have crossed the border since Biden got into the country. Okay, what a lot of them have in common is tens of thousands of them are from countries on the terror watch list. That can't be good. Okay, Paul Morrill said on the show earlier in the week, said as a guy who headed the NYPD's counterterrorism task force after 9-11, if they spotted a guy at the southern border who wasn't from a landlocked nation to the United States, they were like, what the hell is he doing here? Okay, we got a guy from Yemen coming up through Mexico? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? And they devoted every resource they had to tracking the guy's movements because they realized he wasn't all the way here from Yemen crossing our southern border if he had our best intentions in mind. You are correct, sir. But now we're dealing with a level of illegal border crossings from problem areas so vast that we're not even in a position to track them all. Okay, so understand the level of stupidity. Again, it hurts my head. As Dana Perino said, she said it well during the last presidential debate. She said, the further we get from 9-11, the closer we get to 9-10, meaning taking our eyes off the ball. Okay, and that's exactly to some extent what happened in Israel. There was an intelligence failure where a massive military undertaking against the Israeli people somehow managed to evade intel communities. Okay, we didn't have it as Americans. 
Israel apparently didn't have it. We've read the conflicting reports that Egypt shared it with Israel, but it didn't make its way through. You can attribute it to whatever you want. But the fact is, in a world where we're supposed to never forget, we are letting millions of people cross the southern border under Joe Biden. You have no idea how to defend a nation. But that's stupid. That surrounds us and plagues everything we do. It makes it really hard to deal with. Here's McCarthy talking about appeasement towards Iran. This is clip 18. I see an overwhelming intelligence failure. But understand what transpired from one administration to the next. From the very first day of the Biden administration, they moved towards appeasement. Iran, economically, their regime was in trouble. $4 billion in reserves, $70 billion today. 400,000 barrels being produced to $3 million today. Look at the price of oil as well, as, he, as this Biden administration attacks our own ability to produce. But watch what else happened. The shift to now start paying ransom for Americans. So more were captured. Biden is such a disaster. Okay, we appease them economically. They get rich. We pay them for our hostages. They get richer. And what is Hamas now saying? They want a hostage swap similar to Iran. But in addition to the money, they want us to release every single Palestinian being held in America. Okay, that's what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with terrorists who are in a position to blackmail us based on a market that we established ourselves. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Now, some of those people in Washington, we can report as of a minute ago, have sent Steve Scalise to the floor for a confirmation vote in the House of Representatives. Representative Scalise winning the GOP conference vote with 113 votes. Jim Jordan getting 99 votes. So Scalise will go to the floor now and attempt to be confirmed as the next Republican Speaker of the House. That's where we're at. McCarthy has bowed out entirely. Okay, Jordan did not win the round. Probably a win in the sense that they'll be able to keep him on oversight. But I can tell you, Scalise has been on this show quite a bit. He's a great guy. We need a pit bull in there. Okay, I openly loved the idea of Jordan winning this thing, if only because I knew the guy off the air and I knew he meant it. It's one of the things that are a problem in our politics, but never a problem on our show. Okay, there's a lot of politicians you hear on the show once. Very few you hear on repeatedly. But if you hear them on repeatedly, it's because I met them somewhere at an event, you know, something like a, you know, an award show or some D.C. party or something and like actually hung out with them for an hour and talked to them and was like, oh, this is an actual real person who means this. They're not just like fundraising and then going home and selling out the country. Jordan is a guy, for whatever you think of him, who actually genuinely cares about the direction of the country. He's from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. There are good people out there, uh, real good people. And uh, the truth is I love the idea of putting someone that I could ascertain, I could vouch for as caring in that position. That being said, uh, Scalise is certainly a guy who would fall under that umbrella as well. And uh, my guess is he got more votes than Jordan. We don't know this yet, but my guess is he got more votes with, than Jordan because Jordan is just so valuable in the judiciary role that he serves in. Okay, when you see him in those hearings, okay, he is the guy running point. He is the guy cutting to the chase. 
he is the guy that's able to articulate what's been happening in our government in the concise way that really does have an impact when it comes to forcing an honest conversation and accountability out of our government officials. So I like the idea of Jordan being speaker, uh, but apparently people in Washington like the Scalise idea more than me, liking the Jordan idea. And lo and behold, we now have Scalise going to the floor for a confirmation vote. Now, hopefully this isn't the McCarthy situation that ends with 15 confirmation votes and him getting ready to punch Matt Gates in the face on the House floor. Here was Gates being asked about who the next speaker could be, clip three. I'm very confident that uh, both of these men would represent an upgrade over Speaker McCarthy, so I'm not concerned that things that really imperiled his speakership would, would be baggage carried by either a Speaker Jordan or a Speaker Scalise. Okay, so here's the thing. Gates does hate Scalise. Hates him. It's personal. Scalise hates him back. Okay? There are issues in terms of them looking into Gates for ethics violations and things he's been accused of in the past. It's important to note that whenever you hear Democrats tracking, you know, trafficking in the story about Gates and underage girls, the guy who broke that story is sitting in prison now for bribery. That story was implanted in the media by a guy who was demanding $30 million from the Gates family. That's just how white folks will do you. That doesn't mean I think Matt Gates is a saint. I think he's a bit of a circus clown who wants to be an influencer. Okay, I've always enjoyed talking to him on the radio, and he knows that, because he is very candid when it comes to his political opinions. People do see him as a bit of a stuntman, as a bit of a carnival barker, and he does have a lot of that in him. Okay, but he's not lying when he comes on this show and says the people in Washington say all the right things in front of the camera and then they go home and do all the wrong ones. Okay, every one of those big tech hearings where, you know, the head of Twitter came in like Jack Dorsey at the time or Elon Musk or, uh, you know, probably Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. He says you'll hear Congress asking them tough questions on TV, but when it's over, they all go out to dinner with the lobbyists who have total control over Washington. So we need somebody to fight through that status quo. If Scalise is, in fact, the nominee, then Godspeed to him, because it's not sustainable the way it's currently going in Washington. There is so much stupid. Okay, it really does hurt my fat face. Okay, but the Republicans are in the majority in the House, which means they do have the power of the purse, which means we could ultimately see some type of financial restraint, some type of government accountability, if you will, excuse me. Jimmy's, hey, I'm so excited about this, I'm hiccuping. But you understand, okay, what the Republicans need to know is we're now operating in a different time in our politics where people do want action. They don't want, okay, a divided Congress between now and Election Day and the Republicans get to go, well, we tried, but they wouldn't help us. No, no. They want them to put their money where their mouth is, okay? They want to see a balanced budget. They want to see an end to these continuing resolutions. They want to see an end to all of this pork, to all of these 10,000-page bills that nobody reads, okay? And they want to see an America-first economic agenda out of this House of Representatives. So if Scalise can do those things, he's going to be great, and the Republicans are going to be positioned well going into the 2024 election. But if we do nothing between now and having this majority on Election Day, but talk about all the things we would have, could have, should have done, people aren't going to stand for it. Okay, and I'm telling you this right now. I think Democratic Party is awful. I really think they've set this country back 
a decade or more when it comes to race relations. They probably set us back 50 years with all of their fake claims that we're racist and bigoted and everything else as they simultaneously support the people who want to erase Israel from the map. Isn't that funny? The Democrats call anyone who disagrees with them a Nazi, but the people who actually want to eliminate Israel, they're like, these guys aren't so bad. You got to hear their side of the story. It's bananas. Okay, but even so, you don't owe the Republican Party your loyalty. You don't owe individual politicians your loyalty. We are the employers, okay? We send people to Washington. They are our employees. If they're doing the job we want, fabulous, give them more time. But if the Scalise House of Representatives doesn't do the gig... Get them out of here. Get them out. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here is former NBA great Amare Stoudemire talking about the BLM situation and their refusal to condemn Hamas outright and support the victims in Israel. Clip 34. Hamas kidnapping children, putting them in cages, killing women, killing the elderly. That's some coward. That's cowardly. And for all y'all Black Lives Matter who ain't saying nothing, well, let me figure out exactly what happened before I say anything. F*** you. Figure out what? It ain't never been cool to kidnap kids and put them in cages. It ain't never been cool to kill women and, and elderly. Never been. No matter where you from, what you represent, what tribe you for, it don't matter. There ain't never been no cool. There ain't never been none that nobody supported. And then you go and hide and put the kids in front of you as a barricade. That's some coward. Okay, and now he's talking about when he says kids is a barricade, that's what Hamas is doing. They're using children as human shields. Okay, they put all of their military installations in densely populated urban areas because they want high levels of civilian casualties so they can go, see, look what Israel's doing. Here's more Stoudemire, clip 35. All you politicians who always have something to say on the contrary, I see you. F*** you. All you Black Lives Matter people who always have something to say and always support everything else and you quiet now, f*** you too. Only place in the world where I can go and study tour and eat kosher food. Only place in the world. Some coward dog, and all y'all support it, f*** you. Oh, my mama, we don't, we don't respect none of y'all for that. <laughs> He's not wrong, man. You've got to get mad! Listen, I don't want you to get mad. I just want you to realize what garbage you're surrounded by right now. Okay, BLM was a scam. Okay, they raised a lot of money off gullible white people, big corporations who threw their weight behind an organization who just pocketed the money. That's all it was. It was America's racist. Please give us money. And they gave them money, all right, hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, did they reinvest any of it in the community? The answer would be no. Nope. Bought some nice houses, some new swag for the family. Some of them put relatives on the payroll. But when there's actually like a terrorist attack, they're like, nah, we're with Hamas. Come on. We're oppressed just like them. No, you're not. Okay. Nobody living in an oppressed, no one who's oppressed is number one, getting elected to public office by the government oppressing them. Number two, they're not allowed to openly advocate for dismantling the system and putting up fundraising links, and that government's just like, yeah, let's make the money. They want to tear us apart. That's not going on anywhere in the world. Okay, it's all pretend oppression. 
This is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive, period. There's never been a dumber time than right now. Okay, in another world, I would not be qualified to host a talk show as big as this one. But I can do it because everyone else is dumber than me. So by default, you know, I'm a little sharper. But you look out at what's going on, man, and you're like, wow. I grew up really thinking that the people in Washington were like geniuses that were on top of everything. Wrong. Not even a little. It's bad. Sean Duffy, he was working alongside of most of them. He'll stop by and share his insights next. Folks, there has never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. But if anybody can turn this bus around, it's a guy who probably, you have so many kids, you probably have a school bus when your family goes places. Superstar, uh, host of The Bottom Line, former GOP congressman, Sean Duffy, cable news super hunk, back in the building. Hey, girl. Oh, in, in the studio with Jimmy Fallon, and it is exciting. Like, I was, I've been looking forward to this for days. I'm like, I got to join Jimmy in the new studio, hang out okay. with him, hot hair, okay. and a great show. <laughs> there you go. But I, you do know I enjoy your company. Like, I will tell this to the listener because they don't know this. Okay, I consider you not only a fantastic guest, but you're a good hang off the air, like in yeah. the offices. There are people, if I see them outside my office, I'm like, oh, this effing guy. You know what I mean? But if you see Sean Duffy walking by, you flag him down. You bring him in. You chit-chat for him. Well, the problem is I just stop by your office. I'm like, I just come in. I'm like, you can't push me out, Jimmy. Here I am. We're going to talk. Straight like, cat. Straight cat. Wait, I put out, put out that bowl of milk one time. I sit in my office and I have my lights on. You go to Jimmy's office, lights are off. It's like dark in his room, only sunlight coming through the window. True story. It is. And I'm like, Jimmy, what's going on? He's like, it's, I, I, I think better. I, the yeah, jokes yeah. come in. It's got to be clean. Know, yeah, clean. Lights got to be out. It's a, right. diff- it's a different ball game. So I walk in the door in this building routinely about 5 a.m and just write because I'm at peace. There's nobody to interact with. And writing, Sean Duffy, is, as you know, it's a conversation in your head that just starts happening. Like you're working on an idea or a joke right. or whatever, and this conversation's taking place in your head. Everybody who talks to you or texts you or messages you interrupts the conversation. It's a distraction. No, it's a true story. So, like, that's how I prepare for a stand-up special is I just get the hell out of my house and just get in here and work on stuff. So that's what goes on. When you saw me yesterday, though, even though the production process was over, it was the end of the day, still keep the lights off. And you still had time to chat with uh, the, the, the Duffy yeah. for about 20 minutes, which was fun. By the way, I, I can't imagine what that conversation is. The conversation between Jimmy and Jimmy in Jimmy's head must be <laughs> really fascinating, oh, really fascinating. Listen, uh, listen, nothing you can say about me will ever be as harsh as the voices in my head. So you don't have to hold back here. Uh, Jimmy Sean hears voices. This is the takeaway <laughs> from this ever. interview. Lots of them. Uh, listen, you have insights. You served in Congress. Scalise is going to get put to the floor as the nominee, but you said it's more complex than just here we go. Well, it is. So uh, the the vote in the conference is all the Republicans get together and they elect who they want to be the speaker. Uh And by one vote, uh, uh, Steve Scalise got the votes. Mm -hmm. So he's the winner in the conference. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go to the floor, everybody votes, not just Republicans, but Democrats as well. So Democrats are all going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries, their leader. Which means you basically need every single Republican to say, you know what, I, in, in the conference with Republicans, I did vote for Jim Jordan. No, However, going to the floor, I'm going to vote for a guy. I'm going to vote for Steve Scalise. Uh-huh. That is a far different vote, far, wow. far different calculation. And I imagine so, so uh, Steve Scalise is now running the conference. He won the election. He's going to have to make a determination. Mm-hmm. Can I can I get the votes when I go to the floor? And he's going to have to talk to those who didn't vote for him. Mm-hmm. And 
I think he's going to be hard-pressed. Do I go to the floor when I really don't have the votes? Do I want to do what Kevin McCarthy did and go through 18 votes on the floor, have the media take the attention and blow them up, call them, you know, dysfunctional? This is crazy. America and Republican leadership are disasters. So I don't know how it's going to play out, but I don't think it's going to be easy. Really? That's fascinating insights from cable news superhunk Sean Duffy. Superhunk. So when you hear things like, you know, they want— Hakeem Jeffries to be the next speaker. How the Democrats are floating that as a temporary speaker. There's still no world where that would be possible. No. Okay. Because you'd have to have because Republicans have the majority. Yeah. Though it is a slim majority, four or yeah. five votes. Republicans would have to come over and join Democrats and vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Gonna, that's a political suicide. They're, 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 unless they switch parties, which yeah. they're not. They're not going to do that. So no, that won't happen. So what we're we're basically saying is. This is, at this point, probably reduced to how many rounds it'll take to confirm him. And if it takes too many, they might reconsider the nomination. So so what's going to happen is Steve Scalise is going to go around to everyone in the conference to see if he can secure their yep. vote. Uh, if he can't get all the votes necessary, 218 votes, Republicans, what you'll find is there could be a conversation between just different factions in the mm-hmm. Republican Party of who is a compromise candidate. Yeah. If Steve Scalise can't get all the votes, who could? Yeah. If it wasn't Jim Jordan, it's not Steve Scalise, you might go Byron Donald from okay. Florida. Maybe it's Byron Donald. Maybe it's Patrick McHenry, who's yeah. a North the Carolina pro-tem. guy. He was the Speaker mm-hmm. Pro Tem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a number of different people who could elevate to that mm-hmm. position, but we don't know until we know whether Steve Scalise has can the votes. Rally all the support. Well, here's the deal. I mean, if you're going to get the gig, Okay, the whole gig comes down to being able to whip the votes. Something we talk about a lot is, you know, we don't think a lot of Nancy Pelosi's politics, but has anyone ever ruled with a more iron fist within a party than Pelosi? Well, you see, commies, they have that iron fist up there, right? (laughs) And she ruled with an iron fist. fist. And you go against Pelosi and there would be retribution. She would you would have payback. Yes. Um, Republicans don't really operate that way. If you run it, you saw a lot of the people who who ran against Kevin McCarthy. They actually got really good positions. Yeah, <laughs> they got they got they, they got rewarded for running against McCarthy, but it, in uh, in January last year. But is decency actually just a sign of weakness in Congress, given how fierce the divide is? Then, well, listen, it can be considered weakness, but you know what? You this is the difference, yeah. Jimmy. So Democrats, I would argue, they're a bunch of commies. They they're told what to do and they do it. Yep. There's not a lot of independent thinkers okay, there. That, I get it. Right. But Republicans all think they have the best ideas, and yeah. their vision is the right vision, and they'll sit and argue, and they'll fight, and they'll go in different directions, and it creates some chaos, uh-huh. right? And we've seen that play out on occasion. But in the end, I think you get better ideas. When you have people who are willing to actually push against the grain and go, I think that's a dumb idea. I think we should do this. Yeah. It fosters debate and conversation, and it gets you to better policy and better decisions. Uh-huh. Republicans are better at that. But it's very chaotic along the way, and especially when you only have a four-vote majority, yeah, five-vote majority, it creates a, a lot of hardship within the party. And there's big things they're dealing with. They're dealing yeah. with, are they going to fund the government after the 45 days in the middle of November? And if so, what kind of cuts are they going to have? Mm-hmm. Um, what do they do with the FBI, the DOJ, the, the IRS, the CIA, those mm-hmm. agencies that have been weaponized against Republicans? How do they handle them? What do they yeah. do with the, the weaponization committee? What are they doing with Joe Biden yeah. and the investigation on the impeachment? All really big issues that create some vision from the leader and getting everyone on the same page. And, you know, Steve Scalise is going to have to show the conference, you know what, I can do that, and I'm going to win over those, those guys that voted for Jim Jordan. Wow. It's going to be crazy. Sean Duffy breaking it down. It is going to be wild in the House. 
in the chamber. Let me ask you this. That I would rather be with Jimmy Fallon here or in the Republican conference? I'm happy to be with you, Oh, Jimmy. you know, I know the answer. You don't, <laughs> want, to do, you don't want to do that. <laughs> What's going on in there? You're much there. more pleasant. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good time right now. Really they are. are. Who? That's it. I, I keep saying this. They should be televising it not on C-SPAN but on Bravo because it is the Real Housewives of Washington right that's, now. That's right. The Republican Party is a Real Housewives episode. But you made a good point about how Pelosi rules with an iron fist. That's ultimately why McCarthy isn't speaker. Pel- Pelosi sent in the text message like a mafia boss. Like remember that thing we talked oh, yeah. about? And every single person voted as one. It's but, incredible. So, but think about this, Jimmy. So uh-huh. you think, think back to Obamacare, yeah. right, in 2000 and I think it was 19 or 2000, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2009, Nine. 2010. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Democrats took that vote to vote for Obamacare, mm-hmm. and there was a handful of Democrat members that knew if they voted for Obamacare, they were going to lose their seats. Yep. They were not coming back to Congress, and they took the vote anyway, Yeah, and they lost their seats. I, was, I won in 2010. Mm-hmm. It was the stimulus bill. By then, it was $800 billion the Congress spent, which— uh, seemed like a lot at the time, Jimmy, yeah, yeah. but now today it's, it's like, on, what are we talking about here? Yeah, it's like, it's it's like it a Venmo to your kid to get <laughs> right. pizza. Exactly. <laughs> but they took those votes and they changed the course of health care, I think, for the worse. Mm-hmm. For I mean, that's they've changed history on yeah. health care. And they're willing to sacrifice for what they think is the greater good. And Republicans seem to always want to win seats. When are they taking votes that go, you know what, I could lose my seat, Mm -hmm. but this is the right thing to do to change the course and the trajectory of a country. And I give Democrats credit for that, and we've tried to repeal it as Republicans, have been unsuccessful. Um, And again, I wish we had broader vision, longer vision, seen over the horizon on how our policies can get this country back on course, and that doesn't always happen in the Republican Party. No, ma'am. Uh, Sean Duffy is in studio. Something I wanted to throw at you. Throw it. Uh, Fastball. A, a, conver- a lot of conversation around freezing. Free- I'll, get, I'll throw it all. Okay, I get versatility over here. <laughs> I I'm like a six-pitch pitcher. You, you can do it I mean? all on the mound. Scuff the ball. Whatever right. it takes. It doesn't matter. Whatever it takes. Okay, Sean Duffy. Uh, these talk around freezing the money that went to Iran. This is my take, and I just want to run it by you. I think one of the reasons that they're not openly considering freezing the money to Iran is that would mean admitting and accepting that we shouldn't have given it to them in the first place. Do you think on some level they're concerned with the political liability of acknowledging we shouldn't be giving Iran money in the volume that we are? I think it's an interesting point, Jimmy, but I disagree with it. Okay, give it to me. And the reason is they're not refreezing the money not because they made a mistake. Uh They're not refreezing the money because the money's gone. Yeah. They can't refreeze the money. It ain't there. They unfroze it. They <laughs> sent it out. Worse. And you can't refreeze it. <laughs> right? The, they, they, they can't. Yeah. And so not only did they, did they uh-huh. you know, unfreeze the $6 billion. Now, let's be clear. That was Iran's money. Mm-hmm. We froze it so they couldn't access it. Mm-hmm. And when it's unfrozen, it goes back to the rightful owner, which is them. But we know that they use that cash for really bad things, yeah. as we've seen with the I keep of- playing this blinking clip where he yeah. goes, well, we know in the end Iran takes all its money and spends it on terrorism or nukes so why are we giving the money right but (laughs) but but we also had donald trump who had the maximum pressure campaign on iran that really ratcheted down their oil production and ability to sell oil joe biden day one reversed course and has allowed iran to not only pump oil but sell 3.2 million barrels a day yeah driving huge revenue into their federal coffers and as you mentioned blinken said they do bad stuff with it yep so uh if you want to blame the chaos in the world, it belongs right at the feet of Joe Biden, whether it's mm-hmm. what's happened in, in, in Ukraine and Russia and now in the Middle East, 
when you let bad people make big money off of oil because yeah. America doesn't pump oil anymore and yeah. supply and demand, the price has gone up. Bad people are making a lot of money, not Americans. Bad things happen. That's exactly Chaos. what's going on. Our, our, energy produ- our energy policy is a national security threat. In a roundabout way. Global warming is a national (laughs) security threat, but not the way the liberals say it's a national security threat because their policies are creating global chaos. It's not the weather. Yeah, it's not the weather. Like when Biden says climate change is a bigger threat than nuclear war, in a roundabout way, he's right because our policies are going to get us all killed. The weather's got a lot of catching up to do. You know what, Jimmy, we could solve a lot of problems in your studio. Just um, if these legislators, if Joe Biden would just listen, we got this thing figured out. he might. The problem is, you know, someone needs to translate it to him. That's we we'll, we'll probably talk too fast for him. We yeah, got to yeah. slow it down real yeah, slow. Yeah, no, no, right, right, right now. Biden heard we got a new House Speaker. He's like, oh, I could finally play my records again. I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not what we're talking about, Mr. President. It's a dumb time to be alive. But then even quicker. Okay, we're to throw this one at you because you're ready for a lightning round. Okay. Uh-huh. You've got quick. this reality that at the southern border. I know we're talking about this at great length on the bottom line. If you've got 1.7 million gotaways at the southern border, so many of them from terror hotbeds, so many members of the terror watch list, okay, not coming from landlocked countries, coming here from the other side of the world. Have they taken their eye off the ball? You know, when you think of a post 9-11 never forget world, isn't letting 1.7 million people in here... Stupid. Yeah, kind of forgetting. Well, they're not forgetting. They, yeah. they want open borders, they right? Do. And so when, when you're a gotaway, mm-hmm. right, you, the, the easiest thing to do is come across the border and turn yourself into Border Patrol and go, like, give me a free ticket and a phone. I'm going, yeah. this is where I want to go in America. You're a gotaway because you didn't want to get apprehended. So yes. either you're a, you're a drug dealer, you're a human trafficker, or you're a terrorist, Jimmy. And Sheesh. we're bringing people in from really bad places around the world. And if you look at what's happening with Hamas and Israel— we should take our attention to our southern border to go, you are letting yeah. potential terrorists come into this country. By the way, we've caught 151, I think, yep, known terrorists this year alone. Mm-hmm. How many more have gotten in, and what kind of destruction and death does that cause in our country? We'll see. And not good, Sean Duffy. Final question. Uh, aside from the uh, you know the one we owe, the obligatory, why are you so awesome? But you know, everyone knows that one's coming. Easy. It's is it though? Because <laughs> I'm friends with Jimmy Fallon. That's true. It's a hell of a name to drop. If you're hanging out at like a dice game or a, a dog fight, no, that guy. I love that guy. <laughs> if you're anywhere I, reputable, I know Fallon. Like, oh, you I'd get st- in for free. I'd stay away from it though. If you're cut the line, like, cut yeah. the line, get in front. Uh, how do you think uh, what we're witnessing right now affects the 2024 race? I think that this Joe Biden ran as a guy who understands foreign policy. <laughs> and you've now said what well, you can't you the, the the globe is falling apart. Yeah, our economy's falling apart. Our borders falling apart. Uh crime has fallen apart within our country. Um wages are down in real terms. So you look if you're Joe Biden like what can I tell the American people I'm good for? Yeah. Right? Uh, nothing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and this goes back to Afghanistan. If you remember, his numbers were relatively high. Well, I was until saying this. They were above water. They were. Afghanistan, withdrawal, chaos, and his numbers plummet. And then you have Ukraine, and now you have Israel. All of this does not bode well for Joe Biden. I think Democrats know that, but they're also really bullish on Joe Biden, which begs the question, 
What do they know that we, yeah. that we don't know, Jimmy? <laughs> and that's, 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 that scares me. That's, that keeps me up at night. I don't talk to myself. I think about that, though. I'm like, oh, shit. We've got a problem. we got a problem, Houston. <laughs> you can always call me because one of my voices will take the phone. Even if I'm busy, you don't actually have to worry about it. The great Sean Duffy, he's on the bottom line every night, 6 o'clock Eastern. We watch it twice in the Fela House, as you should. I appreciate that. In case we missed any of the analysis. We need the ratings. So if you watch it three times, even better. No, no. We, it's, listen, everybody on this show is committed. Okay, yeah. like they're, this is, it's a next level thing. Well, you come on, you know, once, twice, three times a week sometimes, which we're grateful for. You and know, we, you, we, you, you get the best intro of anybody on the bottom line. I do. Jimmy and Fellow. sometimes they even turn my mic on, let me talk. It's like this whole other thing. A lot of the other shows, they just want me to walk on because, you know, the chubby chasers see the walk on tees. It gets the ladies riled up. But you guys actually let me talk, which I appreciate. Well, sometimes you just, you're used to like the, the, the belt buckle up, but we give you the full shot, the full mantra. Like, I didn't know you were going to show my sandals sure. on in, in, in my holy sure. jeans. Sure. Sure. Because this is what Sean, Sean's show does, okay? In the studio they shoot in, they have like this spiral staircase. And sometimes when they do like the coming up next, they make me stand on the staircase like it's a debutante ball where I'm coming down the stairs in a gown. I always feel like Rose in Titanic. You're like Vanna White coming down. Yeah, yeah. You're like, here I am in Jimmy Philly. So we get a really sexy walk as you come down the stairs. I do. I, I bring a little strut, but I, but I can't do. buy a vowel in these inflation prices right, right now. Too expensive. That's why Vanna White takes off. They're like, I want to buy a vowel. We're like, sorry, you don't have enough money. And the cowboy boots are always tougher coming down the stairs than, you know, some flats. Well, they're Jimmy tougher than mortal. But if someone has my background, Sean Duffy. And you do strut it well. Thank you. How about Sean Duffy? Uh, watch him every night on the bottom line. <laughs> Jimmy back Taylor. after this. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. It is Fox Across America, your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Just went our separate ways with Sean Duffy. Like Journey, separate ways. Although Sean Duffy, to his credit, always does show up with open arms. He's a Jimmy Fallon super fan and a great all-around guy. Uh, but we just got a tweet from Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky in regards to the quest to confirm Steve Scalise as the next Speaker of the House, here is Massey. Surprises are for little kids at birthday parties, not Congress. So I let Scalise know in person that he doesn't have my vote on the floor because he has not articulated a viable plan for avoiding an omnibus. So that is Massey saying he is a no-go on Scalise, meaning Scalise and his margin to confirmation just got a little bit smaller. So we are a long way from home on this deal. We will continue to follow it on the floor in the next album. But the hour, the Republicans thought they had a party on their hands. But apparently Massey just walked in and took away the birthday cake. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, and here we go. Big hour coming up on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be speaking to Representative Mark Green, who is the chairman on the House Homeland Security Committee. Uh, he is going to weigh in on the situation of gotaways at our southern border. 
update us on this effort to confirm a Speaker of the House and tell us how to get the government to do its job again. I mean, right now, you know, you pay the government a lot of tax dollars to make you feel safer. You gotta do better than that. You know, when you hear there's uh, 7 million people coming across the border, 1.7 million gotaways, thousands from known terror hotbeds, you don't look around Washington, D.C. and go, these guys are playing defense. Not even close. Not even a little defense. So we'll call them out because that's what we do on this show. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. They may. Uh, but 888-788-9910. If you would like to voice your sentiments as well, it is a show that I tell you this every day has no barrier for admission. If you're listening for the first time. I'm not the guy who gets on the air and is like, agree with me or else. I don't care. I'm just a talk show host, just giving you a take on the country. And to be honest with you, the most honest assessment, concise assessment I can give you is uh, right now uh, the country is a disaster. Okay, no two ways about it. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Now, the good news is we don't have, you know, wherewithal problems. We have stupid problems. What I mean by that is we have the ability to secure our southern border, but we have stupid people in charge right now. You know, we have the ability to get Iran to stop funding terrorism, but we have stupid people in charge right now giving them money and enriching them with our own domestic energy production. Okay, but all of the problems we have in in this country are not the end result of our capability but the extent of the intellect of the people who happen to be running things right now. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. So dumb. Okay, and they're just unprincipled people. So let me give you this, okay? Yesterday, the House Homeland Security Committee, they released the third part. I've been giving you the breakdown of this oversight investigation into Secretary Mayorkas talking about border numbers, talking about what's going on, okay, where the fentanyl's coming from, where the fentanyl's ending up, okay, and we've got, you know, the amount of rescues that have gone on at the border. They're crazy, alien arrests, okay. Mayorkas has stopped releasing the number of migrants found dead on U.S. soil, okay, but in 2021, which is the last year they did it, okay, the number was 568 dead migrants at the southern border. That is double of the year before. Double. Okay. According to the Wall Street Journal, the number in 2022 was 890. Just dead at the border. Dead people at the border. They die crossing the rivers. They get killed by cartels and human traffickers. Get assaulted. Okay. This is happening. And we're not talking about it because they're concerned with the political consequences of doing so. But when you put the politics ahead of the people, the whole country suffers as a result. So it's hard to watch this because this isn't a Republican issue. This is not a Democratic issue. This is an every single American is kind of getting screwed by the government issue. When you put people in charge, okay, that are allowing people into our country from regions that want to harm us, okay, the term they use is special interest aliens, okay, that come from countries in the Middle East. Okay, that are pledging and vowing harm to America. Okay, in 2021, okay, between 2021 and 2023, we've got 6,386 nationals from Afghanistan, 3,153 from Egypt, 659 from Iran, 538 from Syria. That we 
know of. Now understand why is that significant? It's significant because we are not landlocked to any of those countries. Okay, traditionally, yes, we have a ton of migration from South America. We always have. It's just gone up exponentially higher under Biden. People from South America coming into the country. But Buenos Dias. Buenos Dias. Okay, but what we're dealing with now, okay, more numbers, 13,000 from Uzbekistan. 30,000 from Turkey, 1,600 from Pakistan. Okay, these are people coming from countries that require them to travel the length of the world to get here. And they're doing so because they know they're getting in. You understand, it's the front door of our house. The world, the world has been put on notice that they're all welcome to come in. The Democrats support open borders. That's a thing. Okay, if they didn't support open borders, are you ready for it? They'd shut the border. That's true. That is true. But they're not shutting the border. Okay, they're not deporting people who come here illegally. 99% of the people who have come into this country have been allowed to stay so far since Biden took office. Now, are 99% of these people qualified to stay on our asylum laws? (laughs) No, they're just doing so. Because we are framing this as empathetic. It's empathetic to let anybody who wants to come into your country come into your country. Never mind that they're cutting the line and screwing over the 9 million people who've done this legally that are waiting to get their citizenship processed. Screw all those people. Just open the doors. Let them in. That's what's going on. But you understand when your emotions are your facts, when you frame this as empathetic. No, it's empathetic to have a policy where we set an all-time record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths. It's empathetic to have a... Number of deaths at the border that's so high we won't even report it publicly anymore. No, it's empathetic, you see. But that's how they frame it. And people buy into it, and the end result is, you know, all of our safety is compromised. So it's a wild time in our politics right now because what always happens traditionally in politics is they pretend to care. They get out there and they say the things like, no, you know, we're just looking out for the American people and we're going to do what's best for the American. That's not going on now. Now they're like, well— We've got an invasion in Ukraine. We've got to protect their border at all costs. All hands on deck. And then we're like, okay, can we have any money for our border? The answer would be no. No, nah, no money. No, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> we gotta, got to worry about Ukraine. Okay, that's what's going on right now. And it's crazy. Okay, and understand, we of course support them sending money over and giving Israel any resource we can because they're being faced down by a terror group. But even so... The terror group is also making all of its money off of our foreign policy and our domestic energy production. So there's never been a dumber time to be alive right now. But when it comes to the government, you pay for basic functions that you're not getting out of your government right now. So the conversation we need to be having, as seeing as these people work for us, is how are we going to change that immediately? Not vote for me in two years and we'll do something. No, no, the problem is going on now. Okay, what can they do now? That becomes the question. And that's what we're going to wind up talking about. Drew is in Tennessee. That's where Representative Green is actually from. Yo, Drew. Hey, what's going on there, buddy? You name it, man. It's a mess out here. So you got to try to restore order, Drew, because I'm a little nuts today. Well, we talked last year. I drove from Alaska to see Iron Maiden in Long Island. I don't know if you remember. Yes, I thought it was psychotic, but how was the show? It was great, but I went and saw him this year in Vancouver, uh, and I'm driving across the country again. And I was telling your guy that I've seen three different migrant buses in three strange places this year. Yep. Is that, wait, 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 wait. You've seen migrant buses specifically? Yes. 
Wow. I saw one in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I saw one in Tennessee and one in Arkansas. Wow. That's crazy. But it's not – it doesn't surprise me because we've taken in that many people. I mean, when you think about this, okay, Israel has 7 million people. We've taken in an entire Israel in terms of migrants since Biden got into office that we know of. There's also another 1.7 million that are gotaways, and then there's people beyond that. So they got to be putting them somewhere. I know we've got some of them in New York, but Texas totally got screwed along the way. But, you know, my question for you is, Drew, when you see migrants on all of these buses, you know, do you get the feeling that you as an American are as important to this government as the migrants are? A hundred percent. No, I couldn't even use the restroom in one of the rest areas because there was 25 males in there bathing and using the restroom in Arkansas. It's that's insane. And that's but that is also reality. Like in Chicago, they're vacating a youth sports center because they need it for migrant storage. That's what they're doing here in New York. And it's like they're in the the police stations, too, in Chicago as well. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, politicians traditionally pretended they cared. They're kind of getting away with not caring right now. And it's kind of why. To see it happen, you know. Um, let me throw this one at you, though, because if you're going to go watch some Iron Maiden, uh, you know, that's a thing. What is this now? The Future Past Tour? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Um, I saw that they're done now. It was in Vancouver last week. And oh, then okay. I drove from Vancouver to Houston to see Shinedown the other night. Wow. So you're rocking out pretty hard, man. All right. You know what's next is, is Godsmack in uh, Falls River, New York. Well, look at you. Well, listen. If you're going to do all, if you're going to do all this driving, you could pick up some some side cash and drive these migrants around. No, oh, there you go. I would I would charge uh, probably about ten thousand per. But they'd probably give it to you. That's the thing, Drew. This should be your side hustle. You go see the bands, and the government subsidizes it. You just relocate the migrants to wherever your bands are playing. I don't know how you didn't think of this. I know you as a smart guy, Drew. You should have been cashing these checks a long time ago. <laughs> Good luck. You, Give my best to the band, brother. We'll do it again soon. The great Drew, driving all over the country, sees migrants everywhere he goes, and I know it's true because they're everywhere. Okay, we don't have the resources to put them in one concentrated area. But what's funny about it is everybody who said they were a sanctuary city and no human being is illegal, now that they're getting human beings in their town, they're like, whoa, we don't have room. Get them out of here. What are you doing? It's a Texas problem. Federal government needs to step in because it's all posturing. That's the point. The reason the border's open right now, the reason we have actual terrorists crossing our border, make no mistake about it, there are cells in this country. No mistake about it. Okay, the numbers are staggering. Okay, just understand this. Under Donald Trump, okay, do you know how many Americans we apprehended at the southern border that we knew of that were on the terror watch list? The highest number on record was six in one year. Okay. There was a zero in there. There was a three in there. There was a six in there. And there was a two in there. Okay, those were the numbers under Trump. Biden has gotten you to 151 members of the terror watch list in this year alone. Okay, we've been above 100 the year prior. These are people that are on the terror watch list that we catch that we know of. Okay, that we don't know of, my goodness gracious. But you know it's a higher number under Biden than Trump. Why? Because the number of people attempting to cross is 20 times higher under Biden than it is under Trump. Okay, they weren't trying to do this. Now, I'm not saying, hey, you got to vote for Trump. This is what Jimmy does for a living. This isn't one of those shows. But I am telling you that these elections do have consequences. And the consequence of Joe Biden becoming the president is that everything around you is turning to That's what's going on. Scott is in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yo, Scott. 
Hey, Jimmy. My man. What's well, good? Yep. the way I kind of see this is um, kind of like we got a drunk buddy watching the door. <laughs> you ever have a keg party yeah. where you have to go and either get more beer or you're going to go pick up a girl that you wanted to come uh-huh. and you tell uh-huh. and make sure, you know, uh-huh. you're getting two bucks to everybody that comes in and keep it under control. Well, he doesn't really care. He's seen girls come in, and then people are coming in, and, and then you come back, and you're like, what is going on? Who are all these people? And he's like, I have no idea. They just kept coming. And that's what's going on right now. We have a drunk buddy watching the door, and he just doesn't care. Nah, he doesn't care. And, you know, the party who, like, actually is running him, they don't care because they do. They want open borders. But the consequence to open borders, like, and it sucks to say it, but in the long run, and we've seen these little mini uprisings in Europe, most of the people taking advantage of our border policy are great people that just want to make a better life for their families. And, hey, I'd sneak into America, too, if I could and I could get away with it and I was in their position. I don't like that they're breaking the law. But the people absolutely. who are actively trying to harm us are absolutely taking advantage of this, and they're doing so with an eye on harming us. Like, we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't think on a percentage basis that there were a few thousand people that have crossed our border with bad ideas. You know, that's definitely going on. And it would have been a great party if the three jackasses didn't come in. Well, listen, I, between you and me, I wouldn't trust Biden to work the door at my keg party either. So we're in a no-win situation here because I can't even offer him the side gig. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Scott, great analysis as always. We'll do it again soon, brother. Be well. Love you, buddy. My man. There he goes, the great Scott. There we go back after this. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. News out of the White House, they have no decision yet. Hostage recovery. Are we going in? Are we negotiating? What are we going to do? It's a messy time right now in our politics. The Republicans are on the House floor trying to come up with a speaker. Uh, We don't even know that they'll have another vote today on that, if only because they're going to need some time for Representative Scalise to try to go scare up the votes. They don't have them at the moment. Thomas Massey uh, telling him he was a no vote. And uh, did not want to go forward with him as a speaker. So who knows where this goes? Uh, What we do know right now, and this is something we started the show on, is there's been really this disgusting level of anti-Semitism in regards to the attacks in Israel led by, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib, who's flying a Palestinian flag on our office. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, you need to know this, is someone who cried. She fake cried when Republicans were, quote, putting kids in cages under Donald Trump. Now, I want to be clear about this. Kids in cages, as they were called, okay? The New York Times famously posted a photo saying, oh, look at the kids in the cages. You believe this? And then they were called out by the Associated Press. Why? Because the photo of the kids in the cages was taken in 2014 under Barack Obama. (laughs) You see, what happens is there's a really disgusting double standard in our politics. It's really manipulative, okay? Donald Trump like Barack Obama before him, like George W. Bush before him, had enacted a policy of family separation 
to ascertain that kids were traveling with people they were supposed to be with. Reason being is a lot of asylum seekers know they have a higher chance of getting their case accepted in our country if, in fact, they're accompanied by a minor. So what people were doing that were human traffickers and drug smugglers is they were bringing children as a means of getting across the border, and a lot of bad things were happening to these kids. They were getting trafficked into the sex trade and God knows what else. As it stands under Biden, we have 85,000 children that are unaccounted for in this country. Okay, the numbers, comparative from Biden to Trump, we didn't have one-eighth. It's actually it's one-sixteenth. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm sorry, I went to community college. One-sixteenth, the illegal border crossings under Trump and the family separations under Trump, okay, that we did under Biden. Yet all of the AOCs and the Rashida Tlaibs of the world that cried over family separation haven't said a word about the 85,000 unaccounted for children in our country right now. No, Rashida Tlaib is too busy cheering on Hamas for actually killing children over in Israel. And she was pressed yesterday by our girl Hillary Vaughn to condemn the brutality here is her response, or lack thereof, clip 25. Terrorists have um, cut off babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads. Do you condone what Hamas has done, chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street? You have no comment about children's heads being chopped off. No comment for the kids. She'll keep just flying that flag. What an idiot. There it is, Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Trying to hold this country together. It is Wednesday. We are perilously close to the taping of my one-hour stand-up special at the Paramount Huntington, Long Island, this Friday, October 13th. It is getting nuts. Uh, I got to tell you, it's been a wild week to prep a stand-up special because obviously, like, the world is, like, literally on fire. But in these moments, um, it's really weird. But you feel like a special sense of purpose as a comic because some people actually need to laugh. So you got to get your act together. Like if things were going good this week, I'd be mailing it in. Probably be hanging out at a bar right now, you know. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Well, that's exactly how I'll be going through life when this is over. If you listen to the show day in and day out, I tell you guys everything about me. I tell you everything I'm up to. My family, my kids, the football scores, all of that stuff. And uh, I have made it a point to tell you that this special, which doesn't come out on your TV until a month after I shoot it, you know, does require about seven cameras, 17, you know, there's 10 handhelds, a lot going on. It's a big production. So you want to be in shape for it. So we've been playing real defense, like living with a lot of discipline, you know. But come Thursday, uh, or excuse me, Friday, when this thing's in the books. Freedom! Forget about it. <laughs> Get out of the way. Uh, because it is going to be a wild time, at least for about 48 to 72 hours till I got to get back on the TV and hold my life together. Okay, but right now we're in the home stretch of some pretty good discipline. And it's weird because when you yourself in your life are playing good ball and you see how good fundamentals improve the quality of everything around you, you realize just how much of a detriment it is right now in the country 
that we have people down at our southern border that don't play defense. You know the old adage, defense wins championships? Nobody told that to the Biden administration. I mean, technically speaking, I don't think anybody told it to my local New York Giants either. They're not playing a hell of a whole lot of defense either. But the Giants aren't in charge of the border. They're in charge of losing in the NFC East. Uh, But joining us now, someone who could very well turn this national football team around, superstar Tennessee representative, the chair of the House Homeland Security Committee, Mark Green is back on the show. Hello, Mark. Hey, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, listen, I just cut right to the chase. I mean, you're in the Homeland Security Committee. We talk a lot in football metaphors on this show because I have a very limited intellect. But the adage of defense wins championships. Are we playing enough defense at the border, given what we know in Israel right now? No, it, it, the best way to say it is the uh, they've taken all of their players off the team in, in terms of, of yeah. you know, there's nobody on the field. The border is wide open, mm-hmm. and the policies that this administration has had has, you know, 1.7 million gotaways. How do you how do you guarantee that? Uh, I mean, how, how yeah. possibly can you guarantee there's not some terrorist cell in that? Yep. So it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, but it's fascinating to me that. You know, we've gotten to the place that we happen to be in, but somehow, like, the the Biden administration, traditionally people would demonstrate some interest in solving a problem. They don't really seem to care. Like, we, what we characterize as a failure at the border, on some level, do they see it as a success because they want the open border? Here's the, here's the thing. I think they want to fundamentally change the country. They believe that these individuals or the mo- majority of those individuals will come in and they will um, <laughs> they will vote Democrat. Yeah. I mean, that's that. It's, this is about empowerment of their party forever. And, and that's what you're watching. And it does very much. Yeah, yeah it, it feels it, it's hard to not think so, if only because they're extending such an olive branch to people doing this illegally at the expense of people who are already in line doing it legally. And, yep. you know, beyond that, just the American citizen. I mean, when you look around this country right now, OK, where you, like youth centers are being shut in major cities so they can accommodate migrants. It's actually like the children of America being told you got to sit this one out. I mean, isn't it a little brazen? Oh, it it is brazen. I mean, they they're ignoring court orders telling them to to enforce the Immigration and Nationality Act, uh, Naturalization Act. Yeah. They are ignoring the United States Congress asking for information. For example, they stopped reporting the number of dead migrants on the border because it broke a record and was only going up. And this was five or six months ago, right? Yeah. So they the, these guys think they're kings and can do whatever they want. It's, it's nuts. We're talking to Representative Mark Green, the chair of the House Homeland Security Committee. You know, when you talk about securing the homeland, uh, does the idea of giving $6 billion to Iran make you feel more secure? <laughs> well, it's absolutely insane. And, it, you know, it's it's funny. I keep using that word so often. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> it loses it. its meaning here. But yep. but if, if Iran has been our enemy since 1979. Mm-hmm. They clearly were a part of coordinating this attack. They did the Kobar Towers. You know, they, mm-hmm. they killed 700 Americans in the Iraq war with uh, the specialized uh, penetrating um, explosive device that they did, the yeah. IED that they built. I mean, yep. it, they are our enemy. And to think that we would even begin to negotiate a nuclear deal with them or – Give them money in, in in exchange for hostages is absolutely absurd. And and then to have the Iranian president 
come out and say, well, we'll use that for whatever we want and not to immediately draw it back yeah. is, is just, I mean, it's so foolhardy. Yeah. And it's almost as if you were trying to undo everything mm-hmm. that makes this country great. Yeah, that- a strong foreign policy, a strong economy, you know, a secure border. Every single thing they're doing is to undo and destroy America. It's as if they their equity thing, they're taking it to national level, and, and, and oh, America's been too successful. We need to bring America down. I, I don't know what, what's driving them philosophically, but it's it's absurd. Yeah, it's, listen, it's, it's hard to watch it go on because when you talk about, like, energy policy – our energy policy is why Iran is rich right now. Our energy, energy policy is why, you know, Russia can invade Ukraine. So is there a world, this is what I wanted to ask you, is there a world where they are forced to kind of, I don't want to say retreat so much so as they just need to go back to emphasizing our own domestic energy production, if for no other reason than it'll take the teeth out of our enemies? Or do you think they're too beholden to their ideology when it comes to green energy and stuff like that? Oh, they their religion is the environment, mm-hmm. and so the green uh, movement is a religion for these people, and they will not compromise that unless they're compelled to. Now, I'm a conservationist. I love mm-hmm. to hunt and fish, and I mm-hmm. I'm all about taking care of our natural resources. But for them, they would destroy economies. They would destroy jobs. Uh, they would destroy uh, communities in Africa mining cobalt mm-hmm. in order to worship their green god. And so, um, yeah, they're not going to compromise a bit. That's cra- It's crazy to think because we have so many solvable problems. And I, I always say, like in this country, we don't have a crisis of capability. It's like a crisis of stupid where we have students yeah. like most yeah. of what's going on could be solved pretty easily. If you just give it to somebody else, have you ever watched like wheel of fortune where you've solved the puzzle, but the contestant hasn't like, you can see their one letter away. And that's what I, that, that's what I feel like this government is. It's like everybody watching is screaming the answer and they're like, no, I'm going to buy another vowel. That's crazy. That's a great analogy. Oh, it's, 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 it's totally what's going on. It's a frustrating episode of Wheel of Fortune. Um, <laughs> let me throw this out there for our listeners, because I know you served a tour of duty, I believe, in, Af- in the Afghan war, and you were also in Iraq. Um, are people here not just naive to just how much hate there is towards Israel in that region? Because I think they're conflating what's going on, you know, with there's a two sides of the story thing here, but there really isn't because, you know, a two-state solution is not what the other side wants. The other side wants the complete eradication of the Israeli people, does it not? Oh, that's absolutely correct. You know, you look at uh, their writings, you look at what they say, uh, you look at the Iranian constitution, which is very, very overt and says that the purpose of the nation is for the entire world to you know, bow to their religion, so uh, their version of a religion. And so it's, uh, it's intentional. It's purposeful. It's, they, they do not want a two-state solution. There have been multiple opportunities for that in the past, and Israel was willing to negotiate that, uh, but, but the Palestinian – Whomever's leading the Palestinians at the time has blocked it, and it is it is important to make the distinction today between Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, both of whom have I think done injustices to the Palestinian people, mm-hmm. and have but but Hamas is yes. the terrorists who are now running Palestinian Authority, and the Palestinian Authority is uh, they're out of power, they're just sidelined. It is it 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 blows my mind when you look at when you look out at the world in moments like this. 
and you see people just so openly disrespecting us because we were, you know, the team nobody wants to play. You know, you always talk about speak softly and carry a big stick. And now we have, you know, a president who adheres to babble incoherently and bring a big teleprompter. Do you think we have a crisis of like respect on the world stage? Oh, yeah. I travel a lot because I'm also on foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think last year I was in 21 different countries. The, oh, wow. the, Joe Biden is a laughing stock of Europe. Uh, I did a, a sweep through Europe uh, just recently, and, and even, you know, more socialist-leaning Europeans are like, we need a leader in the United States, and what we have now is, you know, not a leader. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that Vietnam thing mm-hmm. where he, you know, yeah, was on stage and just— uh, yeah, that that was uh, abysmal, and they and they're laughing, they're smirking. Yeah, well, listen, we can we can take solace in knowing he didn't fall off the stage this time. You know, <laughs> you got to take the victories where you can get them. You know what I'm saying? Little victories, okay? Yeah. He, he didn't shake yeah. hands with a single invisible person. I actually gave him an A minus for that speech. <laughs> it might not have made yeah. sense, but that's not the requirement anymore. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, Representative, well, we, yep. I was just going to tell you, we appreciate your time on the show. Uh, we got to do it again sooner, right, man? That sounds great. Thank Thanks. you. Brother. Have a good day. You too, my man. There he goes, Representative Mark Green, who's telling you the truth. Okay, you look at Joe Biden around the world, and they all feel the same way. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Okay, you got a guy in foreign affairs, been in 21 countries. I'll tell you, I travel a lot, man. And uh, if you listen to the show, yeah, I'm always talking to you about like these meet and greets I do. Ah, we do these meet and greets. You know, we're after the show, fist bump, people take selfies, hang out, all that fun stuff. Uh, but I, I don't do it uh, for them. Like I do it for me. Like I'm genuinely fascinated by people. Okay. That's why I spent a lot of time driving a cab is you could get in and just talk to people uh, from all over the country, from all over the world. You'd pick up at the airport, an international airport here in New York, JFK, and just drive around and just really get a feel for the collective psychology of the world. What kind of mood are people collectively in? That was the cool thing about driving a cab is you'd have about 45 interviews a day of people who would jump in and out of your cab and they all talked to me because I was friendly because it starts off in the beginning as you're friendly towards the passengers because you don't want them to flip out on you in traffic and kill you. Okay. By the end of the cab shift, you actually want to die, but you're still pretty outgoing because at that point you're on autopilot. And I would tell you this in talking to people from all around the world, The collective psychology uh, was so different 10 years ago than it is now. And if you go, like, watch my stand-up act, I'm not doing, like, an hour of, screw the Democrats. I'm not selling you doom and gloom. I'm kind of laughing at the ridiculousness of the world because that's what a comedian's job is to do. But I can tell you the collective psychology of people is that we're going through this behind-the-music phase. You know when the band puts out a bunch of hit records and they're selling out arenas and they're touring the globe and everything's great and they're making money and they're tearing up the charts? But then they get fat and happy on their own success and they start to become a little too indulgent. People develop drug problems. The band starts fighting over petty stuff because they have it so good. They're living a life so devoid of adversity they have to create some. And then you couple that with actual bad luck and the next thing you know, that hit band that was touring the globe is now just a nothing, okay? And in a lot of ways, it feels like we're doing that as a country. Like, we got so good in the last, you know, six or seven years. We had it so good in this country. We were able to devote two and a half years of our lives to pretending that Donald Trump was a Russian asset 
controlled by Vladimir Putin. It was made up by these sick people. But that was we were in this embarrassment of riches phase where we had the lowest black unemployment rate in the history of the country. We had tax cuts that made low income Americans the single largest group for wealth acceleration in the country at the time. Okay, illegal border crossings cut by 80 percent. Things were booming under Trump. Whether you want to give him credit or not, I don't care. What I'm trying to tell you is our problems were made up problems. It was he's a Russian. He's a white supremacist. I'm telling you, he never condemned the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists at Charlottesville. And you had people and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. Do you understand It was made up. We had made up problems. Okay, we were arguing about a stolen election. I think it's also critical to understand that, as I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Okay, that's what they were running with. Now they want you to believe anybody who actually challenges the legitimacy of an election should die in prison. But their own official position was, oh, yeah, it was stolen. Okay, and they were able to get away with that because we didn't have real problems in the country. Okay, we were a top band, touring arenas, making money, putting out hit records, tearing up the charts. And then we started to manufacture adversity. Well, you know, he's a Russian. Well, you know, he praised the white nationalists. You know, he stole the election. And then the combination of that coupled with real problems have put us into this behind the music phase where I tour the country and I'm enlightened when I meet people because people are overwhelmingly positive who frequent this show, who flock to what we do because we're kind of a feel-good show. Even if the world sucks, you feel good because we're not here to drag you down. But the collective psychology in the world right now is like we're really just all looking around and we're like, oh, you know, and can we turn it around? Yeah, like we're absolutely beyond capable. But I've never encountered a moment like this where we were really looking out at our own government and thought there wasn't a single qualified person making decisions on the rest of us, which is just a very creative way of reminding everybody that elections have consequences. So this November 24th, whoever you're voting for, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, just make sure you're doing so with your head completely removed from your The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I got to tell you, I'm reading a report here on the commercial break that the New England Patriots want to fire Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick won six Super Bowls. I understand the team's not doing any good right now. But if you can fire a guy who won six Super Bowls, you can certainly fire a guy that's let the border open and given all of our money away to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I don't think as I'm sitting here right now. First of all, I still don't think the Democrats are going to run Biden. But I think for everybody trying to get him off the ticket, they now find themselves in a really precarious position because the ballot, you know, the threshold, the cutoff is coming. And they're obviously not about to bump off a president politically uh, in the middle of what seems to be an active war over in Israel right now. So I think, if anything, you know, the people who wanted to keep Biden on the ticket, you know, have definitely been granted, you know, the type of scenario 
that will make it impossible to remove him. That's the good news. The bad news is it'll make it impossible to remove him because, let's be honest, this guy isn't getting any sharper. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, it is a mess, okay? But the reality is, as bad as things look in the news today, you still woke up and you'll go to bed in the greatest country of the world. So have a big night. We'll do it again in the morning. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.